Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Here we are on the brink of another New Year's Day. A lot of people thinking about uh, making some New Year's resolutions, you know, making their life better. The gym will be packed full all the month of January. Got to wait to get in the door. By February, you get in the door, you just got to wait a little while at the machine you want to use. Middle of March, you just walk in and do what you need to do. Been there, done that. (laughs) That's how I know. A lot of people hoping that this coming year, 2019, will be a good year. A lot of people hoping that, right? Here is something I have learned in my 60 years on planet Earth. A couple of things. The first thing is, as a rule, good years don't just happen. They are produced. They don't just happen. In other words, if you're just kind of sitting around waiting for good things to happen to you, chances are good you're going to be sitting around quite a while. Here's another thing I've learned. God does not pour out His blessing on the lazy and the slothful. Now, how many of you said, well, I didn't need to hear that this morning. <laughs> Unfortunately, I believe that's very true. God does not pour out his blessing on the lazy and the slothful. Therefore, we are held accountable for how we use our time that God has blessed us with. And time is a blessing. Amen? Time is a blessing. None of us, as Janet just said, there's not one of us that know what tomorrow holds for us. There's no guarantees in life that that you're going to breathe your next breath. There's no guarantee. Therefore, every next breath that we take is a blessing from God. So you want 2019? How many of you want 2019 to be a good year? Here's what I'm saying. It's mostly up to you as to whether it's a good year. Now, there's always people that they'll say things like, well, you know, I want to have, I'm hoping for a good year, but we live in very uncertain times. You know, I could lose my job tomorrow, be in financial trouble. I could become very sick and, and my physical health be completely destroyed. There's just a lot of things that are completely out of my control that could absolutely ruin my year. But here is something that we all have to understand. Our wealth is measured by the fullness, is not measured by the fullness of our bank account. Our wealth is measured by the fullness of our walk with God. I think I'm still getting a real ring in this, guys. And and also, ultimately, our spiritual health has far greater importance than our physical health here on planet Earth. We are here for such a very, very short time. If you live to be 100 on your deathbed, you're going to think, man, this was a, this just flew by. It's such a very, very short time. So whether or not we have a good year in 2019, it has nothing to do with happenstance around us. It's going to be up to us and our attitudes and our desires, what we really think is important in life. Is it your desire for the hand of God to really affect your life? 
If that's true, then you, we have to be effective in the kingdom of God. If we want God to be effective in our life, we first need to be effective in His kingdom. Let me read Ephesians 5, 15-17. It says, Be very careful then how you live. Did you catch that first part? It's pretty important. A lot of people just don't seem to pay a lot of attention to that. Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Everything is wrapped up in us understanding what God's will for our life is. Proverbs 10.5 says, He who gathers crops in the summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. All of these verses are talking about what we do with our time. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. This topic that every single person on God's green earth has in common. What is it? Time. Man, there's so many people every January, they just burn a lot of brain cells uh, thinking about how they can have a better life in the coming year. Everybody, so many people concerned, I, I just I want to make sure I have a good year, have a good year. Well, here's a news flash this morning. God doesn't want you to just have a good year. He wants you to have your best year yet. Your best year now. That's what he wants you to have. And let me, let me say this before I go on. In our walk with God, we are always in one of three states of being. And here they are. We're either in a state of decline or else we're in a state of stagnation, or else we're in a state of acceleration. I don't care who you are. We're all in one of those three states concerning our walk with God. We're in a state of decline, a state of stagnation, or a state of acceleration. If in your relationship with God, if you're in a state of decline, I will tell you this this morning, don't even worry about uh, wear yourself out worrying about 2019, I will guarantee you right now, next year will be a little worse than this past year. I'm giving you my personal guarantee. You may think in your mind it's going to be better. At the end of the year, we'll talk. We'll see how things worked out for you. If you're in a state of stagnation, well... 2019 might not be any worse than this year, but there's no reason to think that it'll be any better either. That's what you need to know. But if you are in a state of acceleration, if you are moving forward in your walk with Christ, then boy, just hold on because this is going to be a great year for you. It's going to be your best year ever. What we do with our time always is going to dictate what spiritual state of being we're in. It all has to do with what we do with our time. Time is always the great equalizer. Regardless of race, creed, color, social position, as long as we're still breathing, we all are given the same exact amount of time. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, other than leap year, we won't go into that. 8,760 hours a year. That's what we have. 
So let me reread once again. Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know, I'm sure you always notice at the end of the year, I do, I notice this when I'm standing in line at the grocery store to check out. Most of the news magazines publish a end-of-the-year issue with, you know, all the major events that took place that year. Have you seen anybody seen those? They're already in the grocery stores. And most of them include articles by... uh, the so-called experts, predicting what the next year may hold for us, and a lot of times they go well into the future, 10, 20 years. Sometimes they're close, usually they're way off. And I, I've, I've used this illustration before, but I've seen it roll out in my life. In 1967, so I was nine years old. It's been a couple of years ago. 1967, in Time Magazine... Guy predicted that by the turn of the century, technology will have taken over so much in the world that the average American will probably have about a 22-hour work week. And they'll probably only work about 27 weeks a year. Said one of the biggest problems we'll have is trying to decide what to do with all our spare time. Has that been accurate in anybody's life? I haven't seen much of that. You know, uh, that prediction has pretty much missed the mark. Wouldn't you say? Most people today are so crazy busy. We're in such a hurry. I mean, a lot of times we don't know if we're coming or going. It just gets nutty, right? We're always in a hurry. We walk fast. We talk fast. We eat fast. Most of us. I'm always finished with my meal and, you know, Janet's about halfway there. I can consume twice as much in half the time. I am so good at this. It's just, it's crazy. I've really gotten good. Almost everything we do, we're in a hurry. We try to do fast. Everybody is in a hurry except whoever is driving in front of me. They usually have all the time in the world. Sounds like they've been in front of you a couple times. I wonder how we'll do it. I wonder how we'll do this year in, in 2019. Are we going to be just as busy as we always are? Are we going to make any better use of our time? That's a question that only you and I can answer for ourselves. When 2019 is over, a year from now, and it's going to be here before you can blink, it'll be here before you know it. We'll be standing here talking about this. When 2019 is over, are we going to look back with joy and satisfaction over the year because we did our best to to fulfill God's will in our life? Or are we going to once again maybe be looking back with some regret, with some frustrations? If that's the case, it always comes back to what we did with our time. We like to put the blame on other things and other circumstances in our life, but I'm telling you, whether our year is great and, and, and wonderful or whether we, are, we have regret and frustration, it always comes back to what we did with our time, the choices we made. The hour to start living wisely is now. 
Why? Because our time is so very limited. Psalms 90.10 says, The length of our days is 70 or 80 years, if we have the strength. For they quickly pass and we fly away. That's what the Bible says. There's a lot of truth in that. These years, man, they just are zooming by. How many of you here think the years are passing by very, very fast? That's all of us old folks. We all think it's just flying by. And, and I think this whole concept of time, to me, is, very, is a very, very interesting thing to, uh, to watch and to ponder, to examine. Because even though everybody's hour has got 60 minutes in it, everybody's minute has got 60 seconds in it, everybody's concept of time is vastly different. I mean, it's, and here's the, here's the connection I've made. It seems that your concept of time is directly linked to your age. You with me? When, when you're very young, oh man, you move very fast. But time moves very slow. Right? Have you noticed this about kids, little kids? I mean, little kids don't walk anywhere. If they're moving, they are running. They, if they're moving, they're running. If you see a little kid walking, he's walking for one of four reasons. One, he's sick. Two, they're asleep. Three, the mom has got a hold of their hand and they just, you know, can't break away to run. Or for some adult in authority has just hollered, do you slow down, you stop that running. And then they, you know, walk for about the next four or five steps. Then they break out into a run. That's how kids are, right? And kids, they keep running right up until the time their mother has just had enough. And then the mother says, okay, I've had enough. You sit here until I tell you to get up. How many remember getting put in timeout? You had to sit there and just think about things. And the only thing you thought about was how slow time was passing. Because, I mean, you'd been sitting there for an hour when your mom let you know, no, it's actually been five minutes. You thought it was an hour for sure. And then, of course, the little kids, we grow, we, we, we get into those teenage years. And in the teenage years, we have this complete reversal of our attitude towards time. We have this gigantic paradigm shift when it comes to time, right? Because two teenagers, oh, they think they're in love. You know, they get home from a date and they sit out, they can sit out in a car in front of the, the girl's house for two hours talking. And they think it's been 10 minutes. Not to the parents inside, right? I mean, they're looking out that window trying to figure out, you know, what is going on? Seems like a millennium. So when you're very young, you move very fast, but time moves very slowly. However, when you're old, you move slowly, but time moves very fast. That's just how it works. You know, when you're, how many, think back when you were a teenager. When you were 16, you thought that a 50-year-old person had like one leg in a grave and one on a banana peel. Because they were 50, man, they're like near death, you know. I thought that. We all thought that. Now I'm 60. 
See, she time has wore this girl out right here. She's this sermon's been way too long. I'm only halfway through. So if you're 70 or 80, you're just trying to figure out where did life go, man? It's like just the other day I was like 40. Now I'm 80 or 90. Time brings a lot of paradigm shifts into our life, doesn't it? When you're young, that's the only time you want to be old. When you're old, you want to be young. When you're a kid, you're very excited about getting older. You're so excited that you calculate your age in fractions. There were times when someone asked you, said, how old are you? And you said, I'm six and a half. You know, if you live to be 100, you're never going to hear an adult say, oh, I'm, I'm 39 and a half. Almost 40. Can't wait. Time's a very strange thing. A few years ago, I've used this illustration, but I love this illustration. It's actually, it's been about 10 years ago now. Somebody was marketing this clock, and the name of it was called, it, the clock was called Dead Ahead. And the deal with the clock was it kept track not really of the time of the day, it kept track of how many days you had left in your life. And so you would program into the thing, whether you're male or female, whether you're, what your age was currently, and it would then, based on, you know, like an average lifespan, it would count down every day how many days you had left. Sold for a hundred bucks. Seems morbid, doesn't it? And yet, in Psalms, so biblically speaking here, it really wasn't that crazy. Psalms 90.12 instructs us to do that. It says, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So we don't number our days so that we walk around depressed over how many we've got left. We number our days so that we will use wisdom in using the time that we have left. That we can accomplish as much in God's kingdom as we possibly can. But, you know, we're, we're talking about averages here. The, the truth is still none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. God's word says don't count on tomorrow because tomorrow may not come. All we have for sure is Right here, right now, right? That's what we've got for sure. Our hours are so incredibly valuable because they are very limited. Paul tells us that we need to make the most out of every opportunity, and he, he gives us the reason. He says you need to make the most out of, out of every opportunity because the days are evil. Can we all agree on that? Man, we're living in days, and the days are very evil. Jesus told us that Satan is a robber and he is a thief, right? Ultimately, here's what he wants to steal. You know, he likes to steal your joy. He likes to steal your contentment, your happiness. But that's not what he's really after. What he wants to steal is your life. So it's pretty serious business. Satan is out to steal your life. And hear this this morning. Stealing a life is really no trivial matter, is it? Stealing a life requires a lot of forethought. 
a lot of planning, a lot of methodology. Takes a lot of planning to steal someone's life. And I am going to give you my theory this morning. I believe that Satan's favorite methodology in stealing your life is by stealing your time. That's the way he does it most often, I think. He steals one of the most precious possessions we have, and yet it's the one we most often take for granted. Our time. Time to witness about Jesus. Time to spend in prayer. Time to read His Word. Time to fellowship together with believers. Man, that's the first thing He tries to steal away from our time. Think for just a moment. For some of us, it'll take longer than others. Think for a moment how much time we have wasted in our life in just sinful stuff. You thinking? A lot of time. And you know, I, I don't uh, embarrassingly say sinful things. We use the word sinful in Calvary Temple. I'm kind of blown away a couple years ago when the pastor of the largest church in America on national TV said, well, we don't use the word sin in our church. And I'm thinking, well, then why have church? Because if we're not going to talk about sin, what do we need to be saved for? What is it we need to be saved from if we're not going to talk about sin, right? So i just throwing this in for free. It's, it, it, don't you know, get hurt feelings or anything because we're saying the word sin. Hey, there's two things we have in common in life, time and sin. We've all done it. We all have time. We've all sinned. So it's something we can talk about in common, right? And yet we think about how much time in our life has been wasted just doing sinful stuff. Time wasted in gossiping. Time wasted in, in, in worrying when we shouldn't be. Uh, in envy or greed or lustful things. Just why, well, I mean, there's a hundred things we can waste our time doing, right? How much could we have accomplished in our lives up to this point if we could replace all of that time we spent on sinful things and replace it with time serving Jesus and working towards building his kingdom. That is a ponderous thought, isn't it? We can't get stuck in what coulda, woulda, shoulda been. But the Bible tells us the time to start living wisely is now. Start now. Satan is so good at what he does, right? He is so good at what he does that oftentimes he will even use good things to steal our time away from us. Boy, that's when he's really getting sneaky. How many? It reminds me of the story of Jesus when he went to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You remember this story? He goes into their home and he sits down to do a teaching. And as he's sitting there, Mary, boy, she's right there at his feet soaking all this up, even though Martha is out in the kitchen fixing the stew. Well, come to find out, there's two things stewing in the kitchen, right? The stew and Martha. She's hacked off because Mary is out there sitting on her duff, you know, when she's in here preparing this meal, because meals were important back then. When you had guests in your home, you, you fed them. 
I would have loved living in the old days, man. Yeah, I'll come over to your house. What time do you want me? That's just how it was. And so, and so Martha gets upset because Mary's not in there helping her prepare this meal. And she gets so upset, she doesn't just sit in there and, and stew over it. She marches right out there, boy. I mean, she's going to have a word. She marches right out there and says to Jesus, Jesus, don't you even care that Mary has left me in the kitchen doing all the work? And now she's just is waiting for Jesus to tear into Mary. He'll tell you. Go ahead. Tell him what you think of that. And he says, well, here's the deal. Mary's doing the important stuff. She says, Mar he, says he says, Martha, you're, you're worried and upset about a lot of things, but you're not, there's really one thing that's needed here. And Mary has chosen the better thing. And it can't be taken away from her, he said. You know, Martha, was Martha sinning by preparing a meal for wanting to prepare a meal for Jesus? No, I don't think so. But she didn't have her priorities quite right. Her heart, I think, was in the right place. But here's the problem. She was, and this happens to all of us. She got so preoccupied with her good deed, her good works, that she didn't realize that God in the flesh was right there in her house teaching eternal truth. And she got the priorities mixed up. And I think that that sometimes is a mistake that we've all made. We get so caught up in the here and now, we don't take time for things that are really eternal. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's very apparent even when you're, you work in the church. I mean, we all love the month of December. We love Christmas time. But I'll tell you, every church staff person in every church in America at the end of December goes like this. Whew. Man. It's a glorious time. But we have to be careful. We don't get caught up in all the good deeds that we forget about why we're really doing it. You know, to, to bring glory to God, to, to bring worship, our worship unto Him. We have to be careful that it just doesn't become a job. These are things we have to do. Got to get all this done. So it affects all of us. You know, we, we live in a world where it is very, very easy to be overwhelmed, overloaded, right? You know, we get overloaded with commitments Sometimes, man, there, you know, people commit to every good cause and every social function there is. Pretty soon there's no time for commitment to things eternal. Well, I can't be there on Sunday. You know, we got this new camper. We got to get the thing used. Gotta, can't be there on Wednesday. I got, the, uh, got that Save the Whale meeting. I got to be at that. And, uh, you know, it goes on and on. We get overloaded with commitments in our life. We get overloaded with possessions in our life. I'll bet you every one of us have been guilty of this. I mean, the closets are full. The garages are overflowing. I until I moved to, I never saw garages look the way they look till I moved to Texas. Because in Illinois, up north, most everybody has basements. And that's where all the junk is. Well, nobody, hardly anybody's got a basement here. So, boy, the garage door goes up and there's all her junk right there, which is kind of nice because when you take the dog for a walk, you can check out their junk. Hey, look at that. They got some good junk in there, man. I, I think their junk's better than my junk. That's incredible. They got a lot of it, too. 
There's very few people can get, let me see you, you, by the raise of your hand, let me see how many of you can actually fit your car in your garage. Okay, now, leave your hand up. Let me see your hands. If you have a two-car garage, but you really can only get one car in there, put your hand down. Well, that separated the men from the boys. We had like three left because all our junk is in. We've got one car, you know, width full of junk in that garage for sure. That's another thing we have in common, right? Then we got to pay for all that junk that's in there. We go into debt. People, we go into debt to, to, to pay for these things that we think we absolutely have to have. And then once we do that, then we have to spend more money on insurance and, and security gadgets so that people won't steal our junk. You know, when they're walking by, walking their dog, they see our junk and all that stuff in there, you know, man, I'm coming back for that. We have to have it all insured. And we get overloaded with work. A lot of people are just working themselves to death in order to make ends meet or live above their means, whichever the case may be. Working to have more, and it just makes us need to work more. Working to have more so that we need to work more. People are in that rut. The fourth thing, especially in this day and age, we can get overloaded with information. Man, a medical journal reported that the average doctor has to read about 200 articles a month to stay current in his medical field. So I'm telling you, next time you go to the doctor, you say, hey, doc, how many medical journal reports did you read this month? And if he says, oh, 10 or 12, you better get a new doctor. He's way behind. He is way, way behind. There are so many demands on our time, so many good things that we can be doing and any number of sinful things that we could be doing that gets our time all wrapped up in. But here we are with a brand new year before us. Hardly any time left here in 2018, about a day and a half left. And how are, how are you using your time? Well, right now you're just sitting here listening to me, aren't you? Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit wanted you to do today. I don't mean so much saying uh, listening to me is all that great. It's not nearly as important as listening to what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. That's the important thing. And hopefully placing you in this environment, this, this, this room where the presence of the Holy Spirit is here because two or more are gathered in His name. And I'm telling you, if you will open your ears, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. It's a lot more important than me speaking to you. Have you heard him speak to you recently? It's a good question we should all ask ourselves once in a while. Man, how long has it been since I really listened for the Lord to speak anything to me? Because I tell you, it's, we all have, can have our excuses. We can, I don't have time to sit around listening, too busy. I don't really need to listen to the Lord anymore because fortunately, I pretty much know everything. Whatever it is, we all can have our own uh, excuses for not setting time aside to let God speak to us. 
And I'll tell you, a lot of times that's the key to being in God's will. A lot of times, you know, people, so many people just, they, they always are so confused and anxious about, well, how do I know if I'm in God's will? I, just, I don't know if I'm in God's will. I'll tell you what, one of the easiest ways is to be still and let him speak into your heart. And you will know if you're in God's will. But how long has it been? His word says, be very careful then. How you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. We need to be on guard, right? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Whoever you are, all of us, we're all the same. God's will for us ultimately is to serve him. If you want to break it down to a grassroots level, that's it. What's God's will for your life? His will is for you to serve him. Now, to find out how he specifically wants you to serve him, well, that's going to require you setting some time aside to speak to him, and then even more importantly, allowing him to speak into your life. And for you to listen to what he has to say. Now, I'm going, by the mere fact that you are here in church this morning, unless somebody just absolutely dragged you here and, you know, you just hate it that you're here, but most of you, may, you made a choice to get up and come to church this morning. So I'm going to take the liberty of assuming that you want God to be a part of your life. Is that a fair assumption? I'm so glad to hear that. So the question becomes, well, how much, if you want him to be a part of your life, how much time have you been giving him? Because lip service is so cheap, you know. You know, I heard a rousing amen when I said, how many of you want God to be a part of your life? It was the biggest amen I had all morning. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But now we have to be honest and we have to answer, well, I want him to be a part of my life, but, you know, here's how much time I've been devoting to it. How does it compare with the time you've been spending on your job with your toys, whether you're young or old? We all have our toys, right? With your spouse, with your kids, doing good deeds, doing sinful deeds, whatever it is. You have to answer this question, who or what is the most important thing in my life? We have to answer that question, and we have to be honest with ourselves. And if your priorities are right, it's going to be your relationship with God. If you've got your priorities in line the way they should be, the most important thing in your life is going to be your relationship with God. Say this with me this morning. My relationship with God through Jesus Christ will affect my decisions, my scheduling, my relationships with others, and my whole outlook on life. There you got it. That's it right there. Now, if in fact your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life, here's what's going to happen. You're always going to have a great attitude. You're going to have, you're going to have an attitude in life that says this. When Sunday morning rolls around, neither rain nor sleet nor cold nor heat, 
Neither warmth of my bed nor ache in my head, neither football kickoffs or basketball tip-offs, neither fish in the lake nor a ham to be baked, neither kids' soccer matches nor my excuses by the batches will keep me from my appointed round with God. You know who wrote that? I, I don't know. but <laughs> I was just seeing if any of you knew. If that's what your words and actions are instilling in your children, I'm telling you that's the greatest gift they will ever receive in life. Greater than any Christmas present they ever got. If you are instilling those values in your kids, you're giving, giving them this incredible treasure for life. You know, there's too many people who are just sitting back. They're doing nothing wrong. They're just not doing anything good either. They're just... Killing time waiting for Jesus to come back. And I don't know who said this, but this is a very brilliant statement. They said, you can't kill time without injuring eternity. Now, I've used that before. I'll use it again, I'm sure, because I, I love that quote. You can't just sit around killing time and not think that you're not injuring eternity. Romans 13, 11 and 12 says this, The hour has come for you to wake from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back very soon. The time for us to quit worrying about Everything that we tend to worry about is now and the time to focus on His return, we need to start today or keep continuing in today, whatever the case may be. The question becomes this, what are you going to do with the time you have and when are you going to start? Here's a promise I make to you. If you'll commit to giving more time to God than to yourself, this is absolutely, positively going to be your best year yet. It's going to happen. As you're faithful to serve Him, God is going to open up just the storehouse of blessing. His Word tells us that in your life. And, and in this next year, you're going to be able to give testimony of how God did some miraculous things in your life. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.